This is the coolest show brought to you by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. It's the coolest show you know. Keep the culture connected. It's the coolest show you know. In your ear, yeah, respect the expert level information, entertainment, education. Rev here, we got you covered as you hit your destination. Climate rules everything around me. Cream. For those who lost focus, close your eyes and just dream. Open your third eye, now the world is your off. Coolest, coolest show you know. It's the Hip Hop Caucus. Hey everybody, this is Rev Yearwood from The Coolest Show, and I'm here for the fifth season. My goodness, fifth season. Thank you all. Before I even bring in the producers who make this happen, I just want to say thank you all for listening and lifting this up. I also wanted to say that you don't know how much that means to us by you listening to this show. We, we actually understand more and more as the years go by how important this conversation is. It's important because, to be honest, I'm going to keep it a buck. It's important because it's, it's done by predominantly people of color, for people of color in this climate movement. But it's not limited to that. It's all of you who listen to this show, who tell us, write to us, Email us, text us, you know, Twitter, Instagram, however you get to us. Tell us how much you appreciate this conversation. And for that, we say thank you. But we also want to say thank you to all of our guests we've had from season one, season two, season three, and season four. We want to thank all of our guests. And some of you were here again because they've changed positions, they've changed titles. And so we got to hear their story again. I also want to make sure and thank, this is, you know, we got to keep it real. We want to thank the awards. We want to thank you. We did, we don't do this for the awards, but we want to thank all the awards. We actually got, we, we got, we got belts. We, we feeling, we feeling like, uh, Layla Ali up here. We got, we got a lot of belts in the mist. But before I keep going, let me bring on the producers. Actually, with tomorrow, tomorrow actually has been doing so good at hosting and producing. We had a special episode that we released on the Silicon Valley Bank crisis. And it was amazing. And if you haven't heard that, you got to check that out. That was like, one, it's funny. Every episode that Tamara does is just like one of our best episodes. So that may be something for the future, y'all. We may have to look at more carefully because she's just awesome in that. But on that episode, we had Crystal Hainsley. We had Marilyn Waite. We had Stefan. Howard from Hip Hop Caucus and Tamara talking about the importance of the SVB banking crisis. And so it's time for season five, y'all. We got a lot to talk about. There's been so much that has happened in the climate world that's going on in Africa, it's going on in South America, that's going on right here in the U.S. It's happening, man, from the train derailment in East Palestine to the the tornadoes in Mississippi to, man, the rain and the snow and wildfires in, in California. So much going on that it's time that we got to cool things down. The producers here do more than produce. They are also the host and they host the conversation. As a matter of fact, I was teasing Tamar that her episode is one of the most listened to 
the one that I wasn't on, y'all know about the IRA, when we listen to episodes that we have. And it was phenomenal. And we want to thank her and Destiny up there too, her episode without me. So I want to say this. One, woman power is amazing, particularly black woman power is amazing. But I also wanted to say that it's clear that my uh, my, my baritone voice, y- y'all can sometimes not have it. Now, Cross, I don't know. Cross, got a, he has a kind of baritone voice. It's kind of tenorish. I'm not sure, but we got to make sure and get Cross into the mix. With all that, I want to bring in our producers into this special fifth season show. First, I'm starting from uh, those who are closest to me, meaning that's both age and beauty. Tamara Tolls O'Loughlin, <laughs> one of the, the, the producers of the show. Hey, Tamara, how you doing? I'm well. How are you? Glad to be together. Very excited that this is season number five because it's wilder than it's ever been out there. So this is going to be fun. Oh, man, it's going to be fun. Now, also, not close to me in age, but definitely one of the most prolific ones of our, of our, of our team here. We want to bring on Destiny. Destiny, how are you, my sister? How, how's it going? It's going, it's going interesting. I don't know how we're this far into the year already, <laughs> but it's going well. Thank you. <laughs> and without a doubt, man, one of the key, the producer himself, the man on the ones and twos, the man who keeps all the technology going and brings such an important, I got to say this, one of the key episodes last year, I think actually might've been one of the second or one of the, Top listened to was head crack. And so bringing in the culture component into this, without a doubt, is Cross. Cross, producer, my brother, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy we're back. Uh, season five has definitely been a lot of planning, a lot of conversation. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to jump into it, you know, ready to, you know, keep the conversation going uh, and give folks uh, just some different perspective. Um, and you know how we do, we, we keep it true. We keep it black. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, uh, that we're, that we're, that we're amongst each other again. I, I missed you all. No, we miss you too. Before we get into this conversation for season five, thinking of some life things, we talk about culture, actually destiny. I think you released an album in between season four and season five. Is that correct? Is you out there putting out music now? You out there? We're going to have to, we, we, we got a book to Apollo here for you. <laughs> yes, I released an EP. I won't say, well, I mean, technically it's an album, but I released an yeah, EP yeah. in February. Um, it's called Destiny, self-titled, but my artist's name is Amire. That's wonderful. Well, we got to make sure and, uh, we got to make sure and play that music throughout the season somehow, or if folks want to listen to it right now, we're having to wait to have it played, where, where can they go check that out? You can find, you can find it on Spotify, on um, Apple Music, SoundCloud, you know, where you listen to things. That's what's up. That's what's up. I would ask tomorrow about her life stuff, but she got like 18 hats. She's like a true Jamaican. You know what I mean? She's like a Jamaican 100% like facts on that. Like she got, I got 18 jobs, man. <laughs> well, I wish I could say it's untrue. I think I, I, I own a lot of hats and so I wear a lot. Yes, for sure. And you went well. Let me just so say that. So, so let's get started on this. So, so actually, I want to get started. So tomorrow, I'm going to go to you. We're actually going to do a little bit of, we're starting off this season, very looking at something. And I'm going to ask you to kind of frame it for us. And then I will all come on in. Yeah. So I feel like 
it's in the air. You know, as we are moving into season five, we are post IRA deployment or moving into that stage into the part where all the money hits the ground, all this ungoverned capital. And what it brings up is what will that mean for our community? Who do we go to to deal with our resources? What will it mean as we try to develop new capacities? And as we start to think about that in our conversation, as we start to prepare for the podcast, we were thinking about how actually, you know, moving resources through our community is not new to us. Like philanthropy as we know it in its current form is actually just an extension of the mutual aid that we've given to each other in a community, whether it means we pass the hat when it's time for you to go to school or when you have a trip that you're going on and you get up in front of all the elders and you explain it to, um, and, and then they ask you later to tell them how it went. And then you got 77 aunties that need to know what happened to the $72 they gave you. Like all, we had just have a history of showing up with whatever each other needs in our community. And so in this moment of resources and the governance that will go along with all of this new capital and climate and environment is a conversation around how have we been in this work? We have historical precedents precedents going back to um, the civil rights movement where tons of people gave into this, gave into these efforts from passing the hat at churches to sponsoring bus rides, to making food, to looking after children, to, you know, some of the most famous examples of it um, being uh, famous women singers who sponsored the movement. Mm-hmm. Like we, you know, there, there have been biopics that have come out recently. And one of the, some of the important stories have been that it wasn't just the men in the front. There were a lot of women holding down the bank, the bag, the food, the transportation, and using their celebrity to resource the movement as it was moving. And some of the more famous versions of that include like Harry Belafonte's ongoing and continuing work to support uh, climate work, environmental work, movement work, and especially black people in movement work as a part of a long trend of people giving back to their community with their resources, not just their name. And so, you know, the modern version of that includes those early influences, those folks who are in the space, including um, most recently, you know, Don Cheadle uh, and mm-hmm. and um, uh, Michael B. Jordan, you know, it does some portion of giving back. Um, other folks who've given in the name of climate and environment, that list is becoming long. John Legend is recently moving into the space, mm-hmm. um, expanding his portfolio from education into climate because it's such a big issue in our work and most notably Rihanna like we we've been in a conversation for at least a year now when she made an announcement that 15 million dollars was leaving the Clara Nyonel Foundation in the honor of her family members to go directly and explicitly into climate and environmental work and so we thought it'd just be a really good time for us to start to have this conversation as our communities have to suit up again to figure out how the revolution will be resourced. Yeah. Well, you know, some tomorrow, you know, and I have a little, I want to tell a story. I have a story about Rihanna and I think it's important that that would give us some, some framework. But one of the things that I kind of want you to, I think some of our listeners need to know that you actually, one of your hats, one of your 18 Jamaican hats (laughs) is you work with actually helping um, the environmental grant makers to figure out some things and try to pull them together and work with them. And so I, once you 
to tell people, because we had this conversation in season three, season four, we've had it throughout every single season about the importance of resources. Um, we've talked about no cash, no cause. And one of the things there, I just want you to keep it a buck and keep it real. Why is, to many people who don't understand, why is this part of the conversation so important? Well, I think we started to touch on it at the end of season four with Melanie Allen and Tracy Lewis looking at different parts where the money is obviously clear, a thing that shapes the work. And so I think people, as they start to hear the words climate finance and it takes some shape and buckets of money, as we sit in these chairs, you know, there's a whole offensive in space where people don't want to work on climate, where they're trying to take apart what do ESGs mean, environmental sustainability. Like this is a, a metric for figuring out whether a business is doing its work on protecting the environment and protecting people from its bottom line, equal and canceling out our communities, right? So, so like while we're having a civil conversation, there's a cold civil war happening between the folks resource mm. climate because our communities are most often put in harm's way, have already been disadvantaged and violently disinvested, this conversation around resources can no longer be a thing that happens in the background. Because as we talked about in the IRA episode and throughout, you know, $369 billion is only the tip of the spear in terms of the kinds of resourcing it will take. Melanie gave us a number, $250 million gap, just looking at what it would take to have black and brown people be able to show up in this work in a way that gives them a voice as they are fleeing fire and flood. So this conversation around resourcing, racial equity, climate work, and the money it will take to do all of that simultaneously compared to what it will cost all of us to ignore it is huge. So in my role as CEO and president of the Environmental Grantmakers Association, you know, we have a mandate which says that the 200 plus members of EGA are very clear that a racial equity point of view, which equates to a racial equity praxis, a practice, a thing we're doing with our lives, our body, our work, our portfolio, our questions and research is actually about making sure there are black and brown people in the future on a habitable planet. And that of all the things that are inequitable, race has to be first because it is a thing that is uniquely American in the way that we decide who gets resources and who doesn't. So that fact, Man. We're talking about, you know, people who have been a statistical anomaly and have made it to stardom and capital resources and access to resources, giving back. We've been doing that. But like when all of this is coming together, we have to have this conversation. Wow. I mean, you know, you just said a whole, I mean, we, but my goodness, you, got, you open up a whole, <laughs> I don't want to say can of worms, but you open up a whole cabinet full of information on that one. I mean, I, I mean, I just want to say, but, but let me, let me actually piggy piggyback what you just said there and get into this, why this is important. I am a person who wouldn't be doing this work if I didn't think we could win. So if I don't do nothing, if I don't think we can win, I just ain't here to be hanging out with y'all. I'm here because I really believe that we can win on climate. This show exists. These producers slash hosts slash people who are including their genius and their wherewithal into this process are all here. Destiny, Cross, Tamara, and the rest of the whole team are all here because we believe we can win on climate. We are clear, though, that we are taking on a foe. 
um, that we've never seen before, a global flow that is throughout the entire planet that is hell-bent on greed. You've heard me say this quote many times, that their business plan means a death sentence for our communities. So I just want to start there. But we feel that David can still beat Goliath. That's where we, 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 are, we are firmly entrenched that we can win. But we can win only if everyone has the resources and the infrastructure and we allow to broaden this movement and the voices to be a part of this conversation. So that's one thing. The second thing is that I've been around long enough. So this is this like this is the fifth season, but this actually marks my 30th year of activism. I've been involved at a very high level. So so folks should know that I've been I, I've been at a high level of activism probably about eight, nine years before Destiny was born. So so I've been around this, I've been at a very high level. Um, of activism and organizing. And even before that, I mean, I was obviously was a, a young person organizing before that, but I'm saying I was a leader in the movement when people are looking to me to make decisions. I've been in that role for 30 years and that's been role. And I can say that over the past 30 years, I hope and I pray that I have made many of you proud. I ain't done nothing crazy. I ain't embarrassed nobody. I ain't stole nothing. I ain't I ain't done nothing that was not right. And I've done that mostly because of black women who've been around me, who have mentored me. And because of those black women, from my own mama to folks like Dorothy Irene Height to Cora Masters Berries and many, many others, I have been in a position where particularly I have seen, and also a lot of black men, John and Conyers, and the list goes on and on and on. But I've been in this and been in this movement to know for 30 years, I've seen what it looks like when black people particularly try to do this work without resources. And I can tell you, I have literally seen people from Damu Smith and many others who have died, literally died because they have not had the resources and infrastructure. The one thing that I've seen over my past 30 years of doing this work is this. I've seen that black people, brown people, and indigenous people have this thing where they will fight for their people no matter what. And other communities take advantage of that because they know they are going to fight. And because they know they're going to fight, they then tell them, go ahead and fight. And they don't give them the resources and the infrastructure. So from Cecil and many others who've been around in this movement for different reasons, but they have, they're, no, they're no longer here. So while we're fighting for clean air and clean water, while we're fighting against police brutality, while we're fighting for women's rights and queer rights, while we're fighting for a good education and economic justice, while we're fighting for that, the ones who are fighting are also dying. And that's why this conversation is so important to have. Because what is the irony to have those who are fighting for justice but not have justice themselves? So this is why this comes up, because I have been to so many funerals. I'm seeing more and more funerals, particularly as activists who are getting older, left behind. I'm going to so many funerals or seeing them in states where they're in their 80s, if they make it to the 80s, that they're in a position where they're losing their home, that they can't afford their mortgages, they're, they're living destitute. They're eating fast food because they can't afford real food. All those things that should not be. So this is where we are in this process. I have seen, though, and this is just, I'm just telling y'all, 
I have seen it where particularly black, brown, indigenous, young people, queer people have come with some amazing ideas. I mean, truly ideas given to them from on high. I mean, there's things that could only be given to them by, to me, some kind of power source, energy that is given to them. And then when it's given to them, they are just so inspired to do that goal. They then present that to the the, the, the agencies or the, or the foundations or whoever can get the resources. And in doing that, they have to give out, they have to give out triplicate and put binders together and talk about the accounting and to do to have lawyers and all these things to actually dissuade them. I have seen that. And to be real, I've also seen other communities present things literally on a napkin. That's not a joke. Have put their proposal on a napkin after drinking a beer in a bar and said, I want to do this for $1 million. And then the check arrives within a month. That's the difference. And so we have to fix that if we're going to really be about this movement. And I actually don't think that, to be honest, other communities are going to fix that. Now, this is what we need to have a conversation. When it's throughout the season, I actually think because of white supremacy and because of the colonizing of parts that we need to deal with, that certain folks are not going to do that because they are inherent in being above other communities. They don't want things to change. They want to be on top. They want to have that leverage. So they don't want to change it. So because they don't want to change it and because we want to change in our communities and we still need resources nonetheless, that means we got to have folks in our communities who are going to have money and resources to fight for our people. And so we need to, not saying that they won't. I mean, I hope and pray. I pray, man, I pray for my sister tomorrow every single day. I pray for her and her family. I pray for her so she can convince predominantly white people, keeping it real. This is why a bunch of white people to, to give their money to do the right, to do the right thing and not just do the right thing, but do the thing that can actually help us win on climate. I'm not asking for you to do something that you that won't win. I'm asking you to just to make sure you bring on Michael Jordan and Scottie Pittman. I ain't got nothing against I ain't got nothing against uh you know Steve Kerr, but I'm just saying you gotta bring on <laughs> if you can get Jordan on the squad, you can you need to go ahead and make that happen. Maybe bring them all together, but at least bring them all together and figure that out. But that's not you're not even trying to bring on Jordan. That's just one piece. But irregardless of that, what I'm saying here today is that the story of Rihanna gives us some hope that because the communities who are most impacted by the climate disaster and the climate crisis are also going to be the ones who are going to have to fund those communities to fight the climate disaster. So this is my story. This is how my story, Rihanna, comes about. So in 2015, maybe you know, we were working on the climate album at the Hip Hop Caucus. It was called Heal Our Mother Earth. One of the we had a number of great producers. One of those was Malik Youssef, and the other one was our very own Dewan Cross, better known as Cross with the Sauce. And Cross, we brought Cross in to help with that album. And we had this amazing idea to have these artists who would be able to help broaden that movement. Artists like Neo and Common and Elvarner and Crystal Waters, Anthony Smith. I mean, we had a roster. And we had even more. I mean, there's a great story. I talked to Jasiri X, who wouldn't get on the, he actually wouldn't get on the climate album because at that point in time, he didn't see the need for it. Now he's changed because of this work. But he did, he, he actually didn't want to get on. And many other, other artists didn't want to get on either. 
And so that was the powerful moment. And so a couple of those artists was Beyonce and Rihanna. They were working on, working on some songs. And so Beyonce, in this process, her song actually didn't make it onto the album Home, Heal Our Mother Earth. It made it onto her own album, which was Lemonade, and it was Sandcastles. So that's, that's still very powerful because she's able to then put forth her, her music. And so if you ever want to know about Beyonce creating a climate song, it was Sandcastles on Lemonade. But we were working with Rihanna. Now, Rihanna also is, you know, is a businesswoman. And like most Caribbean people <laughs> in this, in this front, she, she too has wears a lot of hats and has a lot of jobs. And then she <laughs> does what she does. And so in that, she couldn't do a song, but she wanted to be part of the movement. And this is what she said. She said that I can't do a song, but the cop, Climate conference at that time was COP20 in Paris. It's coming up. I would love to do a concert in Paris. And in doing this concert in Paris, um, we can, that could be a way we can bring so many young people. This 2015, y'all. Bring young people into the fold and we could do certain things. And when we went out to funders, not, not let's say that we ain't, we, we ain't calling no names, but we went to a lot of, went to a lot of funders. We went to funders. They didn't think that Rihanna was serious. They actually were saying that, you know, is she only doing that, that Rihanna, is she only doing that to get her own career? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that, that was the, that was the, the response. And, and, and why can't she pay for it? And we're like, well, she, she is, she's, she, she's, she's, she is paying for it. She's not going to, her, her show at that time, I think it was between 10 and $15 million for her fee. So obviously gone. She just did a Super Bowl, so we saw that. So it's, it's gone up quite from that standpoint. But from, from at that point in time, she says, "I'll just, I just, I just need you to make sure that the stage and the sound." We actually went for. We even had the Eiffel Tower. We had we were able to secure the Eiffel Tower to do this. And all we needed to do was get the money. I think we had about two million dollars. That was what we were looking at. Couldn't get a dime. Everything else was going. They couldn't see it. They said, "Well, that's not. We don't really see the point of that, and this and that." And I never forget, figured I was heartbroken, but I came across this. And this was the thing that I learned from that moment. I had been told up until that time how much the climate movement wants culture. We want culture. Please, Rev, we want culture. And then I realized, no, you don't want culture. You want a sideshow. And two, you don't want culture because you have your own culture. Very distinct culture, very Birkenstock, very Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, but you got your culture. And then the black folk who come in here got to play by those rules by your culture. But you don't really want to bring on something that you don't think you can control or you think you can respect. So that didn't happen. Can you imagine? Think about it. Can you imagine what would have been the case of eight years ago? Rihanna would have did that on the time when that was the cop that led to obviously the to some of the most critical uh, assessments. Can you imagine what would have happened in that in in that discussion in that in that concert series? What would have been the what would have been spawned from that globally in the Caribbean throughout the continent? Can you imagine what would have been there for two million dollars that we spend? Don't forget, we we'll forget. And not some, we actually had a conversation last year when we. Discuss that this movement spends up between this 12 organizations, $1.3 billion. Couldn't find $2 million. So I realized that was a problem. But this is the thing, though. Rihanna herself made everybody else there naysayers and proved them wrong. 
because this is what she did. Not only did she stick with it because of the power of Malik Youssef and the Hip Hop Caucus and other people who were talking to her, it hit a chord because she's from the Caribbean. She knows, she can see it. And so that now is her issue. And so why we need to look at what she has done and where she's going is that now eight years later, about seven years later, she took 15 million of her own money, not money she was paid, $50 million of her own money and began to fund environmental justice organizations through her foundation. And that's the thing that links there. And so despite, which is so true, so many people, particularly people of a lighter hue in the situation, who didn't respect her genius, she still came forward as particularly how black women do. And she came forward and still did what we've done forever. When those church mothers, those mosque mothers would be out there cooking, cooking food to fund and doing things to do it, to, to, to do what they could do. She did that. And despite a movement that didn't respect her enough to just let her bring her voice, her stardom, her power, she still said she taught us something that we got to discuss. That despite the movement, my people's liberation and their freedom and their destiny and their future is more important than your white supremacy. And so I got to do what I got to do. So we got to have a conversation this season about Rihanna and about what that means, about how we can bottle that somehow and make it happen. So I'm grateful for this. I actually want to hear the producers, what y'all think about, about where we're going to go based upon that little story I just told. Destiny, what are your thoughts? Mm, I'm just thinking about like what was going on in 2015 or 2016. I'm thinking about a lot of things. Um, but actually, to your point about not letting anybody stop her in 2016 after Hurricane Matthew hit Haiti, um, she already had her foundation at this point and actually used her anti-tour to donate over a million dollars um, in Haiti. So she partnered with Live Nation. So she she kept it going, even though philanthropy in the climate space was like, nah, she was like, okay, whatever, I'm gonna do what I gotta do. Um, I'm also thinking about like, why it hasn't gotten more attention. Like, why don't we know this? Why doesn't the average black person know this? Um, you know, because if it was Jeff Bezos or anybody else that gave $15 million to climate, that would have been the headline on every page. <laughs> or Mackenzie Scott, you know, um, who did give to HBCUs. We love that. But either way, everybody else would have known about it if it was a white man billionaire. There's very few black billionaires in general. And for it to be a black woman who's from the Caribbean who's doing such a thing, like, why don't we know about that? You know, I, I got questions. Or like, has the climate movement address this or like she just performed at the Super Bowl. Anybody thought to reach out and say, I don't know, maybe you were right. Would they even do that? I just have questions. Tomorrow, I know you got I questions have- and you guys, you got some answers. What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to go back to my first point when we first started talking about this. You know, first black millionaire, Madam CJ Walker was a black woman. Uh, she drove an electric car called the Walker in 1910. This is not Let new. The that car know. was on the started. It was in production from 1907, and they, when they prefaced it, they said, "You know, they 
they sent they sent it as a product for rich people to buy because gas cars were dirty. So I just feel like mm. that like this black millionaire, for better or worse, and everything you can say about putting a chemical in your hair, she she did what she did and brought resources back to her community and was somebody who was doing what we would now consider a deeply environmental ask by driving the kind of car that people are hoping will cause the revolution right at this moment. So I, so one of my thoughts about it is that I wish the story of what Rihanna has done, has been doing, is continuing to do, didn't feel so regular. Like the kind of snubbing, mm-hmm. the way that it's ignored. I would argue that I've never seen a Black person in an environment whose tools, talents, or treasure was accepted at the first Mm. Like, I think this movement has a real habit of asking to see bona fides and looking for new leadership struggle structures whenever a black person is in that space. So it's just very emblematic of how we look a gift horse in the mouth as a movement if that leader bringing their time, talent or treasure is black. Those mm. very much connected mm. to how like those same trends. It's ridiculous that. That for so many entities that are dying on the vine because they don't have resources, the idea that a black woman shows up with it time and time again, like in addition to the things we talked about, she's given resources for ventilators, like in the middle of the pandemic. So, so I, and, and, and her money influences other people's money. So it's not just the capital she brings into the conversation, but the way that influences other people to start thinking about doing something better with their money. And so I do think it says more about the movement, the dynamics behind it, anti all of the anti-black racism training that hasn't apparently taken taken enough of an effect that we could be in a position where someone could put fifteen million dollars into projects that lift up the role of black people in this work, and that isn't a headline everywhere, including the the just a it like where are the think pieces about what that money has done. Where are the um as much as we write articles about what's happening inside of climate groups, what about the ones that received this money? Like, I think there are very mm. real moments where people are practicing selective memory <laughs> and selective interest, selective care, selective attention. Maybe it's because I watched Chris Rock last night that the word selective was just rolling around in my head, but I said, I'm just saying we are practicing a lot of selective memory about who's legacy, whose income, whose resources, and whose gifts matter in this work. And that seems like a mistake. Well, Cross, I actually want to make sure, because you actually worked on the whole model. I mean, knowing this, I don't know if you know this, I don't know if you know this part of the story about Rihanna. And I mean, obviously, because you're working, you were also new in the movement. Well, obviously, you were new working on climate work, not moving the movement, but you were new working on climate work at that time and using your talents. I'm actually curious because you were putting out an album and great album. People, please. I mean, the home album is still fire. I mean, please, if you get a chance, check it out. But one of the things there across is you're hearing this, knowing all the artists you've worked with, knowing Rihanna, knowing the impact of culture. I'm just actually, if, if that concert had happened, what do you think would have been some of the results from that? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I did not know it at the time for sure. Um, but, you know, as the years progressed, I definitely found out and was, you know, definitely uh, disappointed <laughs> to say the least about that. Um, you know, what do I 
think what would have happened. It just got, goes to tomorrow's point, to Destiny's point, that influence, you know what I'm saying? We our our community thrives off of it, you know, and seeing, you know, not 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 first of all, not having that concert, you know, just the reach and the and the and the people that Rihanna speak to, you know, like they like look, the whole Navy, you know what I'm saying? The whole Navy now is educated a little bit more on just the, you know, the 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 movement as a whole. So now we're having different conversations. Um maybe six years ago, you know what I'm saying? Like we're starting some of these conversations. So it just, you know, it, it, it keeps us, um, you know, like we're, 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 we're on that treadmill, you know what I'm saying? Or, or I guess you could say that, that, that hamster wheel where we're just still running in the circle because they, you know, continue to not understand our culture, not understand the impact that folks like, you know, Rihanna, but they want the money though. So that, and that goes to the other point that Tamara made that, well, we see it and we, and we, you know, we're looking for that type of news and things like that. So when it, so when it comes across, you know, the timeline or whatever, you know, you stopping, but everybody is not under everybody's algorithm. You know what I'm saying? So some folks not even seeing it, they're not even hearing about it. Um, and what that does is just, you know, now that next person or that next celebrity or whoever, you know what I'm saying? Is they're not calling me on, Hey, why'd you do that? Uh, what's going on? You know, so it just creates that dialogue within community, um, you know, and in, 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 until now, you know, it's not happening. And then my main question is, you know, what happens with the money? I think, you know, a lot of folks want to give. Sometimes folks don't, you know, don't even know what causes are for, but see other people do things and they maybe want to do it and but not be sure of if my money is going to the cause or things like that. So. Just, you know, with the whole Rihanna, like where where does the fifteen million dollars go? Like, is there something, you know, some something out there that shows folks like, hey, when your money is donated or whatever, whether it was a dollar or fifteen million, you know, what happens to it? You know what I'm saying? So I yeah, I think that, you know, if the concert would have happened, we there were a lot of conversations that still need to happen and still but a lot of them maybe could have started earlier. And so we probably could been have progressed a little bit further by now and then we'll be you know, tackling some other issues, but yeah. Well, Carl, that's a great cliffhanger for us. And I think that I want to make sure tomorrow, Destiny or Cross, you're going to add this last bit in, but I want to say, I think that that's why people got to tune in. Yeah. We got to figure out what would have happened in the standpoint of that, if that concert happened, what, what, what will happen? What, what could have happened if more celebrities give money? Can we save this planet? If people are using their talent and resources, if people don't appreciate, and most importantly, where does the money go? Mm -hmm. All those are things that if you're listening, you got to stay tuned because we're going to try to tackle all those things. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow, Destiny, Cross, any last parting words if we leave them on this on this little this cliffhanger before they come back next week? I want to also emphasize the caucasity. <laughs> Because I gotta go. I gotta Google that one right quick. Hold on, you. you exactly what I said. I will not explain. It's self-explanatory. Nick Claxton, of white climate philanthropy, just climate philanthropy, which is white. Um, to be like Rihanna trying to to use us to gain stardom. What? Yeah. That's how you know you didn't listen to a person. <laughs> I'm just like, it, what? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The caucasity is really blowing me because what would fix you to think something yeah. like that? 
like Rihanna, yeah. she would have gave y'all. If, yeah. What I just, I'm sorry. Yeah. What what well, I think that's where I think that's the whole point here for this season. Because I think the bottom line to this is that we don't want to repeat the same mistake. Right. We don't want whoever that next Rihanna is. We don't want that person, he, she, or they, to be in a position where they are in a situation where they are not appreciated. We don't want to make, we don't want to get to 2025 and then what happened in 2015 repeats itself. That's why we had this conversation, y'all. This is why. So, tomorrow, anything else? Cross anything else? Well, I'll, I'll just add Rihanna's own words. Climate disasters, which are growing in frequency and intensity, do not impact all communities equally. But communities of color and island nations facing the brunt of climate change. So I look forward to digging in on this long history, where we are currently, and how we continue to make sure we give people their flowers. Destiny always does that. How we give people their flowers while they're here, so that we're not sobbing over the planet's grave, because we didn't. Phenomenal parting words. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. Season five has just started. All power to the people. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.